the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Patents to 888-727-BECK. Hope you had a great uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, it was certainly nice to sleep in a couple extra days. Wouldn't have minded, I, I don't know, another one or 20, 30. <laughs> We're nice. You know, yeah. 50, something mm-hmm. like that. Something like that. No more than a six-month vacation. Maybe a year, tops. I'm all, I always think to myself at the end of these vacations, how, how do I get back to work early? You know how do mm-hmm. how do I how do I get back in the swing? Do you think that? Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't like do taking you? yesterday off. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, didn't like it. Uh huh. Didn't like it because we went to the, the you know uh, the fireworks on I guess Monday night. Yeah. And so I, I was not happy to have a day to sit by the pool and relax a little bit. I was I was not into that. You at would have all. much rather been here. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, because and, uh, we give and we give and we give uh, because that's what we're about. We're givers, and so. To take a day off is difficult for us. We it's define difficult. ourselves by our own charity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we only um, define ourselves by what we give to you, and we consider that charity, even though we get paid. Well, with the exception of Jeff, uh, who does not get paid or define himself. Is there a way to make that happen? Uh, I have kind of no. a uh, new way to look at Jeffy <laughs> since I found out how much he's spending on his shirts. I will say, I mean, Jeffy is is that. bringing it. Yeah, he's, lately, he's like becoming talk. he's becoming fashion. He's always said, well, I, "I am, am fashion." fashion. I'm, clearly, I am, fashion. and he's proven it right now. Coco Chanel may have said it, you know, a few years earlier than me, but clearly, I am. What are you spending for your custom made shirts over there? Well, this is not a custom made shirt. This is off. This is just off the rack. You're kidding! Oh wow! You are kidding! I wow. know. It's hard to tell. I this will is say, off the rack. There's something that makes because I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I generally speaking, find Jeffy to be detestable. Uh, I don't think that's a huge surprise. Well, generally speaking and specifically speaking. <laughs> yes, I generally and specifically find Jeffy to be detestable. But there's Why something that takes the edge off of that when he's wearing, like, like pastels. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, like, there's something that makes it a little bit... Uh, oh, well, that... Good. You it know takes that, the edge off of my hatred for you. That shirt screams springtime fatness, doesn't it? It, it screams springtime fatness. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Springtime... Fatness. Fat- <laughs> By the way, speaking of uh, fatness in the warmer months, um, uh, Chris Christie uh, found out on a, on a beach. Do we have uh, that picture of him where he's just sitting there and, uh, and looking very svelte? Well, the opposite of svelte. At least he had a shirt on, though. I there it say. is. 
Uh, Where is he? Uh, yeah. yeah, there he is. There's some up close. Yeah. He's def- Chris is not uh, athletically overweight like uh, myself. And, uh, <laughs> no, I think that's a good point, Jeffy. He's clearly not. Chris is uh, definitely uh, uh, an overweight man. <laughs> yeah, he's so a you, I, Just, just he's to be clear, guy. you see a distinction between yourself and, and Chris do. Christie. Oh, Wait, my gosh. And what is that again? It's he, that you? he is just a fat guy. And you are athletically overweight. So, what does that mean? In, in a former life, you used to be good at sports. Is that what you're trying to? Is that the distinction you're trying to, to garner? There? I'm just saying, I'm not that. You know, I don't know if you've if you've met you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're, oh, you, I mean, you are that. You are quintessentially that. Yeah, I mean, like you know? I, there hurts. may have been right, a time, hurts. like for, like an offensive lineman, right? <laughs> that you hurts. know, you're you might be 320 pounds, but you're very strong. You're very athletic. You aren't any of those things. Any of those <laughs> at all? Ex- right? Except, I mean, not even 350 pounds. You you long for the day when you could get down to 350. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Chris Christie, to bring it back here to Chris for a minute. Uh-huh. So Chris Christie has Oh, to... you're going to do that? Yeah, I think oh, I will. Okay. Oh, you know what? Maybe I won't now. You know what? Maybe I won't now. I was trying to help you. Um, uh, so uh, Chris Christie uh, has to close a beach because he, there's some budget battle. Well, they closed every beach. Every state beach. So there was Every New large... Jersey beach. As Chris pointed out the next day on his Twitter account, there are lots of open beaches. Uh, you could go to the beach very easily in New Jersey. However, this particular beach and many... And the state beaches, the state-controlled beaches, I guess is the line. We're all close. Um, we're all close. But he has, when you're the governor, you can stay at the governor's beach house mm-hmm. mansion. So right. not only do they have the actual governor's mansion, but they have the governor's beach house yep. mansion. So he was able, so to, he go was to, able to go stay at the beach. And, and when he's asked, hey, how come you get to do that when nobody else can? He said, run for governor. And then, uh, you know, the residence comes with it. Wow. Yeah. Now, well, what his first answer was, def- uh, I didn't get any sun, I'll say that. He right. tried to deny it first until the pictures came out. Then he said, well, yeah, I will get, become governor, fine. Um, and so he... Uh, Weird. Was, what a, I mean, awful. He's, I mean, he is terrible. Um, of course, the left reaction to it was also ridiculous. There was one yeah. uh, a magazine. I mean, Did you see the magazine? He's that, not committing mass murder here. No. But he is being an elitist pig. Yes, and that's who he is. If there's any doubt in your mind that this guy 100% knew Bridgegate was going on after watching this scene. He, I, he knew. I, of course he knew. He might is have even ordered it to happen. I, I absolutely think uh, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, because he wanted to punish. Because he is entitled to do these things and you're and not. And you're not. Um, but... There was a left-wing magazine, I guess, that tweeted a picture of, of the scene, the, the pulled-out scene, um, you know, of the whole beach being empty except for one person. It just said, capitalism. Yeah. Um, capitalism. Hey, hey stupids. Uh, <laughs> he's a government employee. Yeah. Um, he on a government-owned beach in a government-owned house. This has absolutely nothing to do with capitalism. Actually, the cure for what you're seeing there is capitalism. Right. Uh, that's the man didn't the buy either of those mansions. <laughs> it's so given to him by the people ridiculous. of New Jersey. Uh, so absurd. But his uh, <laughs> approval rating is really, really doing uh, well. Now, this is unbelievable. His job approval rating before the beach, before the beach thing, was 15%. 15 is, uh, that's unbelievably low. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean... At thirty percent, you think how are they even still in office? Yeah, he's at fifteen. Yeah, so the 
which is incredible. And he, so he's just writing out his term, obviously. To and the by end. the way, this is a guy who was once close to 70, I think, approval rate. Oh, yeah, he was very popular at one point. Very popular. One re-election, mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a somewhat close election, one re-election, um, was seen as a legitimate <clears throat> uh, presidential and vice presidential candidate in 2012, mm-hmm. was seen as a less uh, legitimate uh, presidential candidate when he actually ran in 2016. Um, but his approval rating, as you see here, is 15% currently. Now, that ranks him as the fourth least popular governor ever measured. Um, And the stories of the people who are less popular than him uh, are notable. Now, Frank Murkowski from Alaska is at 14%. Now, that is, remember, Christie's number is from before the beach incident. That is the type of thing that turns people who don't even follow politics against you. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're generally a Republican and you don't follow politics at all, don't follow the news at all, don't know anything about what Chris Christie is doing, you still approve because he's, I don't know, he's your guy, you voted for him. You're not going to change because you don't follow things closely. This is the sort of thing that penetrates to those people. That's how you get below 15%. Because if P- it has to be something that so overwhelms everything that even the hardcore loyalists are, that don't pay attention to the news are, oh my God, he did what? Like, it, indefensible. This is the type of thing in New Jersey that will do that. And certainly you'd expect him to drop more than one point to get to beat Murkowski. Now Murkowski was at 14% approval. Why? Because he named his daughter to be senator. They're like, wait a minute, who are you naming Lisa Murkowski, your daughter? <laughs> who is currently still the senator there, by the way, uh, of course, who won in a, one of the most impossible uh, elections in, uh, in a write-in, in, in a write-in. One, one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened in, you know, that never in, happens. in you, modern politics. Write-in candidates don't even, I mean, they get 200 votes. Yeah, it's incredible. She won the she election. She won the election. Um, so Amazing. W- with about 200 votes. It is Alaska, uh, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, she, uh, she won that election, which is incredible. Uh, but, you know, naming your daughter to be senator is such a obvious act of, uh, you know, um, nepotism. nepotism that it can't be forgiven. So he went down to 14%. He then ran for governor, uh, and he finished third in the governor race to the eventual uh, victor in that race, um, Sarah Palin. So that is uh, how Sarah Palin became governor. There was a sitting governor who mm. was uh, actually a Republican, but be- be- she beat him in the primary. And then how did, how did it turn out for Sarah Palin? Uh, really well. Again, was that re- phenomenal? Phenomenal. Right? I think she, she turned phenomenal. out to be a real hardcore conservative in the end. We we learned she really had principles. I believe is how that ended up. Um, so the other two people, who <laughs> or not, were, or, you know, or, or the opposite. One of the two, I can't remember or, which. Or the opposite, I can't remember exactly. Happened, but. Um, so and then the other one was uh, so the other two names, Rod Boglojevich, you will remember, yeah. um, who finished, who had an eight percent. In jail still, isn't he? I know. Has he been released he, now? I know he went. He did Celebrity Apprentice, uh, which he was uh, uh, sadly did not win. Um, but it's an interesting tie to uh, today, I guess. Uh, 8% approval rating. Uh, and he was convicted. He did go to prison. He gave away, he sold mm-hmm. Barack Obama's Senate seat, if you remember. That's uh, right. Was trying, to get, was trying to sell it uh, to get favors. Um, and then stayed in office after everyone was like, you got to leave, you got to leave. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to stay. Um, so that, uh, Blagojevich, and then Taft, uh, Bob Taft in 2005 got down to 7%. Uh, and that was another. He was convicted of uh, corruption in some way. I can't remember the exact details of that one. Uh, people in Ohio will be quick to remind us of that. But 7% approval for Taft. So, I mean, really, mm. he's the lowest uh, ever uh, or will be the lowest ever with the exception of people who have actually been convicted of crimes. And now, of course, I think Chris Christie has committed crime. <laughs> I absolutely believe he was. Uh, Wouldn't I mean, be surprised. Bridgegate, absolutely. I yeah, believe. Bridgegate was. Um, he was involved in, but what mm. you know, he was not convicted of it. And Murkowski was just straight out nepotism. 
Um, you know, it's hard to name, you can't name your daughter to a seventh seed and get away with it. Though, the people of Alaska are like, yeah, we really like that pick. So I don't know, maybe he was unfairly punished. Possibly. I'm not a big fan of Lisa Murkowski myself. Yeah. Uh, but they seem to like her, so there you go. Yeah, he, and uh, Illinois boy is still in prison. Wow. Amazing. For how much longer? Is he up he's for there. parole anytime well, soon? Well, he's been fighting. He just lost another uh, another attempt to get out. Uh, but he's supposed to be there until 2024. Wow. 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 That's a, 17 it wasn't years. Just he a got, good he long got, sentence, He got boy. 17 years, man. I remember we wow. did in the, um, one of the most shocking sets I've ever read. And we'd have to go back and find it. Was when we did uh, Glenn released the book. It was an inconvenient book or mm. arguing with idiots, one of the two. And there's a chapter about child predators and 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 uh, you know child rapists and all this stuff. What should you do with them? Um, and uh, the 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 average prison sentence was something like they actually are in jail for like two and a half years wow. in prison. Uh, then you have a parole and other things like that associated, but it was—it's something so insanely low for that type of crime, and uh, and he and Blagojevich is in jail until 2024. I mean, I know he—it wasn't just—I mean, he was very corrupt and had a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of issues, but that that seems shocking. Truly amazing. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Also, uh, here's a favorite headline of mine: Quarters of Jefferson's slave who bore him six children are discovered. I mean, hmm? how long does this lie have to be perpetrated? Oh, yeah, I saw this. It never ends. Times it never ends. Do you have to discredit the Thomas Jefferson slave lie before they finally stop using it in every headline about him? Well, this is supposed to confirm it, Pat. If, if you've read this story, this is supposed to, it finally shows. They it found finally the house. shows. They found the house. They found the house. Yep. Oh, um, and that shows now. It, well, the, historians have debated uh-huh. Hemings' role in the former president's life ever since it was claimed during his first term that he fathered children with her. Um, it was first claimed in 1802 by a political journalist. Yeah, um, by his opponents. It was a, an estranged opponents. ally is the way they put it in this story. Yeah, the estranged <laughs> ally was John Adams, and uh, John well, this, Adams is feeding things to the journalists. Well, Adams, uh, oh, yeah, oh, is that true? Because yes. they say they, yeah. they credit it to James yes. T. Callender, who was a uh, estranged ally, which my it's kind of an enemy, right? Like yes, an estranged ally isn't really an ally. No. I mean, I don't know why you put that in there, but I guess it used to be an ally. Um, he said uh, in a Richmond newspaper that Jefferson had for many years uh, kept one of his own slaves as his concubine. Her, mm. her name is Sally, adding that they had it several never children. Ends. So bad. Um, uh, the rumors of a sexual relationship uh, had, be- had happened before 1802. Calendar's article spread the story widely and was published in many newspapers during the remainder of Jefferson's presidency. Jefferson apparently offered no public explanation or comment on the claim. The entire episode came to be known as the Jefferson Hennings controversy, which is a really clever name. What do you think about it? <laughs> what they did is they put the two names in there and then they put controversy after it. That's how they came up. That's how they built that one. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the uh, architecture of that particular Creative. title. Creative. Um, uh, so there was a, it's interesting that they say um, there are only four known descriptions of this, uh, of this uh, story. So a glimpse into Hemings' history suggests she was born to Elizabeth Hemings in 1773 and was probably named Sarah. According to NBC, there are only four known descriptions of her. Enslaved blacksmith uh, Isaac Granger Jefferson recalled Hemings was mighty near white, very handsome, long straight hair down her back. 
It is not known if she was literate and she left no written accounts. They're, I would say this, the way this story reads is they're not even sure she existed, right. let alone fathered kids yeah. with, or, or uh, mothered kids with, uh, with Thomas Jefferson. Um, history says her father, uh, history.com says her father was John Wales, Jefferson's father-in-law. She came into the Jefferson's household as part of the Jefferson's inheritance from the Wales estate in 1774, probably served as a nurse to Jefferson's younger daughter. So what happened was in 1998, in an effort to prove uh, that Thomas Jefferson fathered mm-hmm. uh, the, Jenning, the Hemings family, uh, they, they, they did a DNA test. And of course, they don't have Thomas Jefferson's DNA. He's been dead for 200 years. So um, they, but they, they tested, obviously, the children. And they came up with the, the fact that it could have been one of 27 different men from that time period. Um, everybody from Jefferson's brother to his nephews to cousins to... Uh, it, it, it wasn't Thomas Jefferson. It was very likely either his brother or his nephew. And if any time you read the accounts of that time, there's almost nobody who knew him well and was not an enemy who believed him capable of that. At that time. At that Even time. at that time, because that was yes. the guy that wrote it or was spreading the lies. Nobody liked him either. He, we, but he was and was a political enemy, and that's yeah. the way they fought their political enemies back then. And we heard that more, much more I recently mean, with Ty Cobb, right? Remember we right. talked about that story yes. with Ty Cobb? Right. Where he wasn't this horrible person. And that one's way more recent. Amazing. I mean, it would be much more difficult to pull that off. Um, Here's the uh, quote from uh, the study you talked about. It was in Nature in 1998, which is peer-reviewed, which means it's true, by the way. Yeah, right. Just so you know. Um, Although paternity cannot be established with absolute certainty. Thank you. Our evaluation of the best evidence suggests... I should... But this is another one of those Al Gore uh, statements. Yeah, let's of, let's count the disclaimers here. Yeah. Although paternity cannot be established with absolute certainty, there's one. Our evaluation, they're mm-hmm. evaluating two, of the best evidence, three, three. available, the best evidence available, four, four suggests, five. five, a strong likelihood, six, six, that Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hennings had a relationship over time that led to the birth of one and perhaps seven, all of the known children of Sally Hemings. It's interesting because scientists who have uh, studied it who are not trying to discredit Thomas Jefferson and are not trying to besmirch the reputations of all the founding fathers have seen it quite differently and have said it, it, the, ev- the strong evidence is that it wasn't him. It just wasn't him. He didn't do that kind of stuff. Um, so now look, good people have made uh, sure. bad mistakes. Yes, and, uh, it's not it impossible. Just seems out of character for him. Right. If he, you're just judging it by, we don't think this guy was a bad guy. That could have it could have happened, right? Like people do misjudge people all the time on things like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, when you when you throw in the how shady the evidence is, I don't think there's any reason to move forward as we know this is true. Right. It seems uh, there's absolutely a lot of doubt. On this one, um, yes. you know, so it's a, it's a, but it's kind of interesting. I guess what the the reason it's back in the news today is they found they found um, the residence, res- the residence of of Sally, right? Of Sa- uh, yeah, that's yeah. what they're saying. Um, uh, it's said to be the first physical space devoted to Hemings, whose life to, uh, till date remains a half solved puzzle. When you only have four people in history who have even mentioned her, it seems more than half solved. 
Uh, a little bit less, uh, it seems, or more unsolved than half. Uh, that's kind of yeah. a bizarre story, but I do that. That's a Pat uh, classic. Yeah, it is, because it's, it's really, a pit, uh, really a pet peeve, because they act as though it's settled now. They're, that's settled science, just like climate change, just like that bull crap. Uh, all right, 888-727-BECK. More patents too is inevitable. Oh, gosh, I hate that show. Yeah, I'm not a fan Most of it. Most people like it. Most people love it. Yeah, but not with that It's Jeff. been called the greatest show ever done. Jeff is not ever done. Jeff is Triple eight seven two seven Beck, Pat and Stu, and the lovely. Uh, I mean, I can't even say it in jest. Uh, that thing over there. <laughs> what was that gesture again? Uh, <laughs> what is that supposed bow? to be? Like a. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you're more of a curtsy guy. <laughs> there you go. He is wearing a skirt. By I even spread out my skirt for you. Right, there you go. That was nice. Thank you. Uh, hey, Joey Chestnut won the thing again. Yay! Yeah, he's a competitive eater. We're going to see if Jeffy can uh, eat. Too bad your microphone isn't on, Jeffy. Is the, nice. It's like 71 now. Jeez. And he, he, at, after the event, he said that he felt like he could have eaten more. He, he was disappointed in his Yeah, he didn't like his. He, he ate uh, 72 in. In ten, ten minutes. minutes. Uh, Jeffy, I, I come to you with all food-related issues, even though I know this is not your specialty. Uh, Jeffy is a, the Kenyan of eating, yeah, as he says. Yeah, long-distance eater. Uh, he's a long-distance eater. eater. Um, but it, it, what happened to Kobayashi? What, wh- why isn't he in this competition anymore? That's what, a really he good was question. Like a legend. Yeah, for yeah like the five J- years. Japanese guy was winning all of these American contests, and, and then Chestnut started blowing him out. I haven't yeah. heard from him since. Is he alive? Did he choke on something? Uh, the, you know, it's a good question. I really don't know. I, I saw. I actually watched a special not long ago on him. On Kobayashi? Uh, it feels like, yeah, it feels like you know his training and what he did to train and everything. So I feel like he, I don't think he got anything stuck and rolled over dead. I think he's still alive. Now, like, I would assume a guy like Usain Bolt would look at a marathon runner and be impressed by them. Do you have that sort of relationship with the competitive eaters? Like, is Joey Chestnut <laughs> like, oh, my God, Jeffy's a legend. Like, uh, but even though they're not yeah. in the same event, they still, is, they yeah. still see you I mean, we can, Look, we appreciate each other. <laughs> I mean, we, we appreciate great. each other and, and, you know, what it takes to become what we have. <laughs> and you just do it with, with, you do it actually for the opposite of glory, which is impressive. He does it for the glory. You know, I find it fascinating also that uh, they have a women's division to this. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, big difference you know, they, uh, with, they the, with the women. I mean, they don't compete the women together? Women don't, don't, no, they don't. <laughs> oh, no. They don't compete together? Because the winner no. of the female only ate 41. Wow. I mean, so she lost by 30. Y- yes. Yes, except I mean, she's in the women's competition, so, so she It's won. a different sport. Yeah. Guys, is it's it? a different sport. It's a yes. totally... Why? You can't compare. You can't it's a compare. totally different sport. Is no, it? it's not. Okay? We're watching... Wimbledon's on one of the TVs. that We're, we're not paying attention to you in the show. We're watching that. <laughs> it's the same sport as men's tennis. The men just play it better. Yeah. Yes. By the way, I heard McEnroe, uh, he's still defending his comments. I heard a little clip of him uh, this weekend. Really? It was, it was satisfying. He's like, look. He's like, there's a way to solve this. Like, we have a solution here. Have them all play together. Yeah, right. Like, this will be easy to solve. That's great. And it's true. He's probably still fed up with it. Oh, you yeah. Know. I like what him. he should yeah, do yeah. is play her. I just saw him playing, uh, is it Jim Courier? Yeah, it was Jim Courier. 
McEnroe and Courier were, were playing on the, I forget what they call the, you know, the senior circuit, yeah. whatever it is. And he's still playing some pretty good tennis. I mean, he obviously doesn't get around the court as fast he's as he once did. He's probably, I think he's no, 58. Think 58. He's 58. Yeah, we just looked the other day. It was 58. And I, I mean, Serena, I would assume Serena would I be. think he beats her at 58. I think he beats her. And I, I, I think he beats her but pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, that's, that's the Riggs thing all over again. Yes, like, I want to right. see him. Sure. I want to see her play. Bobby Riggs can't compare to John McEnroe. And John that's McEnroe, true. I think, I, I think beats her. Yeah, I think he's still at one time, would beat I mean, her. At one time, McEnroe was, I mean, Top of the world, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, by far the best in the world. Yeah, for, for a few for, years. For a few short, years, he had a short run of dominance, but he was. I uh, mean, he had he had Borg at the time, and that was a good rivalry. It was that, he was always he made it fun to watch. Got into arguments. It was great. You know, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what was nice like, to what about, watch, like, right? Like, let's say a Pete Sampras. Yeah, is Pete Sampras? Pete, I mean, Pete Sampras beats her. Oh, I no. think so too. Oh, and really? I, I think oh, Sampras, absolutely. Wow. Sampras, Sampras is in his what early forties. Yeah, yeah, he beats her left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> he does. I, I, you know, look, it's 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 not crazy. I mean, no. it's not crazy. Although, you know, you think Sampras crushes. Serena. I do think the the, the oh. you wouldn't he, you wouldn't even want to see that match. It, it, mm. it would be as bad as if Andy Murray played her. Wow, because I I think the gap has has narrowed between sure. uh, men's and women's. It's just not nearly as much as you want to believe if mm-hmm. you're a women's tennis player. Like like if it mm-hmm. used to be it used to be that a fifty Five year old Bobby Riggs would beat the number one player in the world and at the he time. Did. And he did, Margaret Court, when he was actually trying. Right. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So that used to be what it was. Now, I don't think, but you know. I don't know. I don't, maybe. But uh, remember, and, and it's important to point out, Riggs wasn't even a great player when he was in his prime. Yeah. Like, it, it, this is a, a good men's player at 55 and beat the number one you, woman. I don't think that's the case now. You lose I, sight that the guy retired from competitive tennis in 1951. <laughs> 1951. Wow. The match took place in 1973. So, uh, and he beat the number one player yeah. in the world before he played the number two in Billie Jean. Plus, Sampras, so, what, I mean, his serves are what? They're, he's probably got him down to, what, 400 miles an hour now? Yeah. I mean, Sampras, I, I seriously, that would not even be a match. That wouldn't even be a match. Because he's, he's still too young. He's got something in the tank, I'm guessing. But you so know what hurt him is marrying what's-her-face. That's when his tennis game would go. I'm going to need more information. She was in Billy Madison. Uh, you know, Who's Mary? What is her name? Oh, uh, the, the, the teacher from Billy Madison? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know they were married. Yeah. Anyway, th- uh, he was distracted ever after. <laughs> that don't blame him. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it, it happens. does happen. Want to play some more tennis? Nope. Um, nope. Good. Uh-uh. You know, I mean, I'm going to stay home. That's, that sort of distraction <laughs> brings down empires. Uh, Bridget. Yes, it does. Bridget yeah. something or other. Oh, no, i got to find yeah. out. Stupid Wait, thing. I uh, asked you to look up something on Kobayashi like 10 minutes I ago. I don't care about Kobayashi. <laughs> I don't care about Kobayashi. I want to know what happened to the guy. And you just want to look up pictures of some hot woman. And? Okay, well, that's a good point. When you say it like that, that's a good point. Um, can we quickly, I, I don't need you to spend a ton of time on this, but quickly revisit what we did on, on radio today about, I'm curious on your opinion, Pat, on whether you think it's right Forget all the other controversy around it. Is it right for CNN to uh, go find this anonymous poster's um, uh, identity um, and look through his old posts and uh, out him in a news story because the president tweeted his video? Uh, Because I would say there's 
with the exception of the people I've talked to today, meaning uh, you, Glenn, Jeffy, mm-hmm. I have seen, I don't think, any uh, disagreement with the point that CNN is, is horrible on this. Everybody seems to think that CNN is like Satan for finding who this guy who's anonymous online. All he's doing is anonymous, and he's posting some, some bad stuff, and he shouldn't be outed by CNN. And CNN is, even people who defend, or, or who are critical of Trump, who are critical of Trump tweeting the dumb video, are saying, well, now they've given uh, you know, a talking point for everybody who likes Trump, and, and you know, the CNN, the media looks bad over and over again. I don't know. I, I don't, I, for some reason, it's not hitting me that way. I, I, I feel like I'm crazy. No, me neither. No, I, I, I mean, I'm not bothered by the fact that they found out who it was. They, they haven't even released his name. No. I and mean, they don't plan to, they say. No, they say, be, you know, the people who are critical of CNN are saying they're basically holding this guy hostage because they said, look, if you don't, it, 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 the, the way it read was something they affect. Do I have this story here? If you um, do it again, if you do it again, we'll out, we may we reserve the right to out you. And they're mm-hmm. saying, well, they're, they're blackmailing him. They're not blackmailing him. What do you mean they're blackmailing him? For what? What are they blackmailing him for? When you blackmail him, you have to get something. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the insinuation is they got the apology that makes Trump look bad. Um, however, uh, as, as the story says, he posted the apology before they spoke. At least that's their claim. I have no way of independently checking that out. Uh, so it's, it's a very... I'm just, I've been shocked by the uniform reaction from people on the right. And a lot of people are a hell of a lot smarter than me, but I just don't understand why the passion. It's like this reverence for the online pseudonym. You're like, yeah, when you post on, on a fake name, your hope is it's anonymous, mm-hmm. right? So you can post, but that's not a guarantee. We tell, teach our children that. We teach our kids, hey, when you're posting something online, it may very well be tied back to you, so you better post things that you're proud to have next to your and name. And it's there forever. Whether it's you there delete forever. it or not, it's there forever. That's so. the conservative point. Yeah. I get the sense that like, it's a weird one of those stories where it's like the, your kid does something wrong and you get mad at the principal instead of your kid. It's like, well, mm-hmm. the kid did something wrong. I thought conservatives were the one who were supposed to be mad at the kid. Yeah, and this whole story has been blown up into yeah. something that's and so right ridiculous. That. So bizarre. Can we stop? It's not that big a deal. But man, that's all that's being talked about now. Uh, so it'd be nice if we could put some perspective into some of these stories. Triple eight seven two seven. Back more Pat and Stu coming up in a minute. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, of course, touched on this a little bit in radio, hmm. um, but it's such a big story, uh, the the biggest in the history of mankind that we've got to deal with it here too. Um, rather than you know just blurt this out, let's lay it out the way it actually happened, uh, the way it finally came to light, and it's about time that someone did bring this back to light. This may strike your listeners as way out, but we actually believe that there is a colony on Mars that is populated by children who were kidnapped 
right. and sent into space on a 20-year ride. Wow. Uh, so that once they get to Mars, they yeah. have no alternative, no alternative but to be slaves on the Mars colony. Sex slaves. Uh, there's all kinds of... Well, I, look, I know 90% of the, of, the, of the NASA missions are secret, and I've been told by high-level NASA engineers that, <laughs> that you have no idea. There's so much stuff going on, but then it goes right. off into all that. I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing the media jumps on. But I know this. We see a bunch of a mechanical wreckage on Mars. And people say, oh, look, it looks like, you know, a mechanics. They go, oh, you're conspiracy terrorists. Clearly, they don't want us looking into what's happening. Every time probes go over, they turn them off. <laughs> that's the that end okay. point. That was just a big exclamation point. Every time they turn them off, the... The, just the non sequiturs that come out of his. It's a lot like Trump. He, he'll be going a direction and then he'll shift into something else and then he goes back to that thing and then he shifts into something else mm -hmm. and then something else that has nothing to do with anything. I, Interesting, you found some similarities there. Right? Yeah. I'd never put any of that no, uh, I'm sure, cause, together because, yeah, I, I mean, you know, one's the president, one's a crazy conspiracy theorist. Wait, so yeah. why, why would Weird. they have something in common? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. That is what he does. He also throws out. Um, like I, I, one of my favorite things to do, and I, you know, like people are like, well, "Why are you always talking to uh, 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 about Alex Jones?" He's a fascinating character in our culture. He really is. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that this guy has built what seemingly seems like a fairly uh, substantial male vitality pill uh, business uh, on the backs of these bizarre theories is really incredible. And he's he's also funny. He's you know a very He's accidentally a bizarre. Funny. He's yeah, not, accidentally. Yeah, no, he's not if, trying to be funny. Yeah, he's 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 a bizarre person, um, who uh, who says some of the strangest things I've ever heard in my life, and one of the ways he does it is, he'll take these little piece, these little things like a one little piece of a study or one little piece of a news story and just. Take, make these incredible jumps. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating. Occasionally, we'll go and follow how he got there. And it's just amazing that any human brain could operate like that. It's bouncing around and making incredible assumptions and tying in unrelated things. And, and, and then generalized theories get worked in there as well. And then he comes to this point where he has done this thing so many times about how there are colonies on Mars or uh, mechanics living on Mars fixing equipment that he just throws these sentences, ah, you know, mechanics on Mars and, uh, you know, the 90% of secret and, and I've talked to engineers and, and they turn these things off. these things off. And, like, like that's a point. That's just a, a collection of half sentences. <laughs> like, that is not a coherent point. Yeah. None of that was coherent. Uh, but, again, you know, we're trained experts on such things. We've been working with Jeffy every day. You know, we, 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 we speak in coherence. Mm -hmm. We don't speak it. We understand it when it's spoken, however. I, I guess that's it. Um, and here's, here's something else that is kind of interesting because I'm sure if challenged, he'll deny that he's promoting this theory that children have been kidnapped and flown to Mars to become sex slaves for we don't know who or we don't know why or we don't know how this came to be. We don't know what kind of vessel it is that takes 20 years for a six-month journey. Um, I, I mean, there's so much unexplained here, but he doesn't challenge it. So there's only two possibilities here. He either believes it wholeheartedly or you, you put him on to mock him, and that's not what he does. So he obviously believes this thing. Yeah, maybe, I, 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 let me present a, a, mild, uh, a mild offshoot of one of your possibilities, which is he, he, this is a guy, he's a friend of the show, a guy he believes is right most of the time and thinks he brought up something too crazy. So he's like, he's, he's saying basically like, 
Like, if we had someone come up and say something crazy that was a friend of the show, like, uh, you know, uh, Jeffy's a guest on the show, and Jeffy comes up and he says something a little bit, like, too conservative, too wild, we might say, look, I, I know what you mean, I don't know about that, but, you know, here's what I know. That's kind mm-hmm. of what he does there. He kind of brushes Not it off really. a little bit. He doesn't really say, I don't know about that. He agrees that NASA has been hiding a lot yes. of stuff. Right. He generalizes. Right. So he says, like, <laughs> if someone came out and said, you know what? I think uh, Barack Obama is uh, mutilating uh, puppy dogs in the basement. We'd say, well, we, we wouldn't. But we could say Barack Obama, he does hide a lot of things, and we know he's doing things that are against the Constitution. But what I do know is that blah, 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 blah. Like, it's his way of, like, being nice to a guest without outing him. However, I, I actually believe I, I think he believes, he believes it. it. I, that's what I, I believe. I think he believes it. Trying to find the benefit of the doubt there, because he does give a moment of, he at least recognizes how dumb it sounds. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is not normal for him. It's lunacy. I mean, this is a guy who says, in a Megyn Kelly interview, well, he, he says, well, I'll give you a real example. Uh, fish people, uh, they're, like, he doesn't, <laughs> he's not like he gets, has a good idea of what is going to offend or think, be crazy to the media. Here, mm-hmm. he actually recognizes that children on Mars in a colony sounds pretty crazy. It, it seems a little out there. It seems <laughs> a just a tad just out a tad, there. A half step. And it's interesting, there's no follow-up in, like... Hey, how come it takes 20 years to get to Mars when we can get there in six to nine months? Yeah, wouldn't that be a logical question to ask the guy? How about, hey, who are the sex slave owners? Now, again, you keep who, bringing who sex are they? into it. I don't remember them bringing sex into it themselves. He said they were slaves. He did not say they were sex Did slaves. he never say sex? Did he say sex? Well, run, run this for us well, one, more time, one more time. I think I think they're sex slaves. I don't think so. I think he's just a slave. <laughs> this may strike your listeners as way out, but we no. actually believe that, that be there out? is a colony, colony. on Mars okay. that is populated by children who were kidnapped and sent into space on a 20-year ride uh, so that once they get to Mars, they have no alternative but to be slaves on the Mars colony. Okay, he does say There's just slaves. Well, look, I know 90% of the, of, the, of the NASA missions are secret, and I've been told by high-level NASA engineers <laughs> that, that you have no idea. There's so much stuff going on, but then it goes off into all that. I mean, it goes you know, that's off the kind of thing the media jumps on. Mm-hmm. But I know this. We see a bunch of mechanical wreckage on Mars, and people say, oh, look, it looks like, you know, mechanics. They go, oh, you're a conspiracy terrorist. Clearly, they don't want us looking into what's happening. Every time probes go over, they turn them off. <laughs> I don't know. I really like the ending visually. <laughs> so and weird. I, I, I had to turn it off. <laughs> like, that's a powerful yeah, point. Like that was a good point. Like, uh, the rover is still wait, up there, and wait, it's still roving. So, wait, so what the theory uh, is, they send these things into space and then just turn them off for no reason? Why are they sending them into space? See, I'm fascinated. I, I don't know, but you're right. He did not say they were sex slaves. The, <laughs> the stories, every story I've read on this uh-huh. has said sex slaves, child sex slaves. Oh, okay. But I was, this I was a little say. worried about what in your mind created the sex slave <laughs> yeah, vision. No, it's, you? it's that the stories are saying okay. it. Mm-hmm. But NASA has clarified now, and uh, they are saying humans believe a lot of outlandish things. The idea that NASA is sending children to be sex slaves on Mars See, might be slaves. one of the wildest. Yeah, NASA, NASA yeah. was the one who responded like that. They um, said sex slaves? That's what... That's their release, right? No, that's the New York Post story about the release. On Thursday, a guest on InfoWars claimed that NASA had kidnapped kids and sent them to the Red Planet to be sex slaves. Now, again, he did not say it, at least in that clip. No, I know. It's true. Uh, Maybe he said it somewhere else in the interview. 
Uh, that's possible. Shockingly, we didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a statement from NASA, though. There are no humans on Mars. There are active rovers on Mars. There was a rumor going around last week that there weren't. There are, according to Guy Webster, who's the spokesperson for NASA. Uh, he said, but there are no humans, and uh, we pretty well know that. The insane conspiracy theory was aired uh, on Alex Jones' show. And here's another bizarre fact that was aired on uh, 118 radio stations. Uh, I'm putting fact in hard quotes there. No. Uh, this, is, no. This, this is like saying, uh, <laughs> no. and, uh, and they served um, Oreos, America's most delicious cookie. Well, <laughs> no. And we're just quoting Oreo's site. They said they were the most delicious, so they must be 118 stations. It's like Elf when uh, Will Ferrell goes <laughs> into that That's coffee correct. shop and it says, world's best coffee. Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, we're not that naive, okay? <laughs> He's not on 118 stations. Mm -hmm. uh, the two decades of travel would technically mean the hypothetical children, of course, are no longer children upon arrival, but whatever. The child slave colony is not real, so the math doesn't really matter. Uh, Jones responded to the outlandish claim by saying he knows most uh, NASA missions are secret, as we just heard there. Um, do we have the uh, the rover photos uh, that are uh, very much starting the debate? Uh, let's, oh, are we going to see these. the... Yeah, this is going to prove it to you. Yeah, okay, we're going to see all the... Here those are the bones. They're bones right there. Na uh, Mar Mars bones right there. Proved. It looks like maybe a leg and a hip socket, perhaps. Mm -hmm. there Something you go. like that. Is there, there more? Go. It's do all set. Have? Do we have any more or no? Is that it? Do you need more? And what what is that supposed to be? That's a hovercraft. <laughs> it's a hovercraft on Mars? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we know that Luke Skywalker is there. Um, right. They are saying... Uh, what does NASA say that is? Um, okay, photo dates back to 2014. NASA responded to the online report then by acknowledging but dismissing that the alien thigh bone could be linked to extraterrestrial life. The debris pile from the Curiosity's photograph already had convinced some wishful thinking alien enthusiasts of extraterrestrial activity on Mars. After years of research and study, I'm convinced now, more than ever, that there is much more to Mars than what NASA admits to. A Reddit user named TJ Devereaux remarked, how could dare they out him for that? <laughs> All he did was pu pu post it publicly. And he's supposed to, uh, now it gets reported? And TJ, uh, Stu, is certain. He says, I'm certain life, including water and intelligent life forms, once occupied the planet, and, big leap here, that both still exist in much sw smaller quantities. Um, our explanation is the object hmm. is a piece of debris from the Mars rover itself or from a sky crane landing system. Uh, unless we get more detailed uh, information, is another case of uh, wishful thinking. Oh, so that's Says what that second thing was? Nigel Watson, yeah, author right of there. the UFO investigation. Uh, well, we've, been sending, we've been sending stuff. NASA has been sending rovers and ships up to Mars for geez, at least 20 years, right? Oh, longer than that. Yeah. yeah. And many of them have crashed. Um, but that's not because uh, there's some kind of weird life well, form making them crash. That's because whatever. it's hard to get to Mars from here. Oh, it takes it's 20 years. It's 54 million miles. It takes 20 years to get no, there. <laughs> you know. I mean, we know it takes. It doesn't take 20 years. It's just that these this, these particular people that end up on Mars in the slave colony are uh -huh. taking a 20-year journey. Right. I mean, a little sightseeing. Right. It's a sightseeing. Right. It's a sightseeing mission. 
It's like the Gilligan journey. It was just supposed to be a three-hour tour. Right. And then all of a sudden the weather started that. getting rough. A lot longer than that. Triple eight seven two seven back. More Pat and Stu coming up. Is that the one? Tiny that, ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the right? minnow would have been, been lost. Right? The minnow yeah. would have been lost. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, but the ship set ground on a shore of this uncharted that, desert isle. Yeah. yeah, with Gl- Gilligan. The skipper. Uh, oh, the there? skipper, too. Uh, the professor. professor. Millionaire and his wife. Millionaire. Here are some stories that Jeffy found. It felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. It is uh, National Bikini Day. So I'm sure uh, we'll be uh, celebrating that sometime uh, during the course of our uh, which, our day here which, in July. Which one are you wearing today? I am going to wear the uh, pizza, the edible pizza bikini that okay. was just invented. <laughs> it sounds uh, sounds like at least what the heck we'll give it a try. Is it actually made of pizza or is it flavored like pizza? I believe it. I haven't seen a picture of it yet. Okay. So I'm just willing to just go out on a limb and say, you know what? I'll try it. Mm. Whether mm. it's made of pizza. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's just flavored like pizza. I, I, I will say that if you have not seen a pizza, uh, a picture of this particular bikini, it, it does may not, not exist. exist because you would have seen it. <laughs> and you would have somehow come across huh. that in your travels. That was strange. One of the things that we did learn over the uh, holiday weekend, that uh, transgender activist uh, Zanina Jones, <coughs> she insists that the straight men who don't <laughs> desire transgender women simply have an issue that they should try to work through. Oh, man. Okay? Can we stop so, with this madness? So, I just want you to be clear about that right yeah. now. All right? Okay. Because she's, uh, she's told you. And Kobayashi, while we're, while we're, while we're on the uh, hot dog eating contest mm-hmm. and uh, Kobayashi, he uh, got in, I mean, he's been, he was arrested at the hot dog eating okay, contest. Yeah, yeah. Got in a truck. You know, he claimed he was there to, uh, to see it. They, he was supposed to come up on stage. You mean just this last one? He says, no, no this is back like yeah. in 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. Oh. Wow. And he was, uh, he was supposed to come up on stage. He, he claims, uh-huh. went up toward the stage. They arrested him because they claimed he was there to disrupt the contest because Joey Chestnut had won and he was beating, he was crushing Kobayashi's record. And it was, uh, you know, it's a big heyday. It's been going on still today. They're still kind of... Uh, you know, duking it out kind of back and forth off of that. And now they lost the Wall of Fame. They took him off of the Wall of Fame. What? At, this uh, is unbelievable. I know. And he had, he had a record con- six, six consecutive. But Joey Chestnut, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed, and I don't know if we have the picture yet or not, but they have a, a picture of him up with the, the greatest uh, of all time athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here it goes. And you see that Joey is quite a ways up the list with the 10... Uh, championships under his belt. Although I don't necessarily know that I would uh, consider him Can we him not put him athlete. in with Bill Russell? <laughs> Is that ESPN? Doing Come that? on. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you got to fill time, right? Can you got to fill time in space. Stop it. So congratulations. Eating is not a sport. <laughs> oh my God. And, the, and the contest doesn't belong on ESPN. Joey, I, Joey, I just want to go on. Right. I, Joey, I can't disagree with that. Pathetic.
It's Pat and Stu. Uh, Jeffy? 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. You see this story about the uh, uh, person who had a baby, and uh, the baby doesn't have a gender yet. Is it, is it a medical condition? Is there something? No. Do we need to? No, it isn't. How dare you say that's a medical condition? As if it's abnormal in some uh -huh. way? Wow. No, is that I what just, you're trying to say? I was feeling bad for Are the child if it was born Why is that hate-mongering? <laughs> why would you feel bad? Why the why mongering and hatred, why? you monger? Why exactly would you feel why? bad for a baby that doesn't have a gender? Why? Wait, tell it. Explain hate, it. Hate-monger. Explain it. Monger of hate. Hateful hater. I'm waiting. I just don't I'm want, have you heard I, of the explanation I just, don't want, I just don't want this thing to struggle through life without oh a gender. Oh, it's a thing hate. now. It's a thing. You monger of hate. Why do you monger like this? Why? Why? Oh, uh, this is unbelievable. Could so, be the first such case in the world. Canadian officials have issued a baby name. Uh, with uh, on a health card without the gender marker. Yeah, that is the first. We've, we've had reports. I'm pretty sure of some other parents or mothers <clears throat> or whoever that didn't want to assign the gender. Yeah, but there, uh, she, but this person, the the person <laughs> who had the child uh, is Corey Doty, a non-binary transgender and she person. Ta and she talked she's him into doing it on the health card, right? So yes, I mean, she's non she's non-binary. <laughs> she identifies as neither male nor female. She gave birth to the baby in November, or I'm sorry, it gave birth to the baby in November <laughs> and has been battling to keep the eight-month-old's gender off of all of British Columbia government records ever since. The health card issued to her has a U for, which in the sex category, that stands for unassigned or undetermined. Uh, so the person who gave birth to this baby said... We're not actually asking to have anyone's ID changed against their will. We're just asking to change the structure of how identification, particularly the birth certificate, starts out. That's not too much to ask, is it? It for, never is. For never point, is. It never is. For 0.07% of the population to just fundamentally alter the way birth certificates are, are recorded? I, I don't think that's too much to ask. Go ahead and do it. What makes you think it's as high as 0.07%? <laughs> uh, well, is that... that was just the, that's not even the non-binary. Uh, right, because that's not, yeah, that's all transgender? That's all transgender. 0.7%. This will start again because I, I, I know that I've, we've talked about it and I've read stories where the parents have not wanted to assign a gender mm -hmm. for their right. child until it's later, but they've, you know, because they, they were upset that the hospital or the <clears> birthing <throat> building Right. If this uh, is your, you know, yeah. If mm -hmm. this is your life, this is this type right. of thing you want to do, right? Like when you're obsessed with activism over a particular issue, you want to make some statement. Um, you know, it's like if I try to get Eagles fan put on my kid's birth certificate. It's like, well, I, look, it's not that much to ask. A, a bunch of different is letters. It? You know, it's a bunch of different letters on a, on a free. You're typing anyway. Just type different things. Don't type male. <laughs> type Eagles fan. So what? And it's like, well, there is a so what there. There's a reason why they try to figure out the gender of a, of a kid, which, by the way, is very easy for them to do in every circumstance. I guarantee if you ask the doctor mm -hmm. um, uh, who, uh, or the nurse who was there when the, when the baby was... You was, mean the hateful... Well, yeah, if they monger in hate, they'll, yeah. they'll go ahead and assign they, the yeah. gender. They'd be able to venture a guess, <laughs> let me say. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty no. sure they could venture a guess long before no. that kid even came out. Right. The, 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 birth, the birth person said this Way about that, before. Stu. The birth person. We would prefer they take sex off these documents entirely. A baby's gender identity develops over time. 
not when a doctor examines his genitals so right after birth. Again, like, I, huh. I... All right? It's as if we are just talking about two different words. That sure is. Like, we are saying... I know. Gender are the parts. And you're mm-hmm. saying gender is some... Feeling. Some trait of a personality. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not saying you can't have the traits of the personality. You may have female traits of your personality all day. You may have all sorts of different things. But that's not what gender means. Mm-hmm. Until you've changed the definition somehow, successfully. To half the country. It's incredible. Like, this word means this. And now what we're going to do is we're going to tell you... <laughs> That it means the other thing, and you're just going to go along with that. And half the country's like, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm with that. <laughs> it's a yeah, bizarre, it's different now. bizarre world. I mean, wow. And then, but, but we're the ones who are called science deniers. Mm-hmm. That's us. Okay, you've, you've either got a boy part or a girl part, okay? That's science right there. But, but it's the other side who are, who's denying that. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's true. Um, wow. And, uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, and this goes back to I mean, what's going on with the EPA. Um, now, I've been, uh, Pat, I don't know if you've noticed, you probably haven't noticed this, um, you know, but uh, I have had occasional uh, available criticism for the president. And uh, even, what? yeah, uh, occasionally, huh. I have not found everything hmm. he's done to be perfect. You haven't said well, that in this you, room, I'll tell you that. Are you well, kidding that, me? That makes me a heretic, I know. I'm not allowed to say and things. And a bad like, person. Well, you're a, you've sold out. I've, you, you've clearly sold out. I've sold out from... you sold out from your values or, of yep. being um, a Republican. You've not, completely sold not, out. And, and that's not I guess values. you want Hillary uh, to be president. No. I guess you want Hillary. No, I don't want Hillary to, be, to be president. I got, uh, go ahead. Go vote for Hillary. Go ahead. I can't. See where uh, that'll get you. <laughs> and I didn't. Um, but Yeah, thanks a lot for Hillary. I didn't. Thank you. I didn't vote for Hillary. Uh, and uh, she didn't win. <laughs> so those two things are kind of in the way of your theory at this particular moment. Yeah, thanks to the Russians um, and you. Yeah, uh, but right. Right. No, wait, wait. Now, now you're wait. on the Russian bandwagon? I'm losing track here. Uh, so, uh, uh, but one area I would say I have been largely uh, positive on Trump on in his administration and might. I see. I was going to say mm. something mildly negative, but let me let me pass it. Let me pass, <laughs> pass it. Is the EPA stuff? Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Pruitt. I'm very. I was very happy with that pick from the beginning. Yeah, uh, he has done a good job so far. Yep. Um, and again, this is something where the left would totally disagree with me. Um, they might not like Trump uh, for many other reasons, but they they also don't like him here. I like I like what Trump has done with EPA. He uh, he took a little longer than I would have liked uh, to take get out of the Paris Agreement, but whatever. You know, I, you know, but he, he got did out. it. He got out. I don't, he did I'm, it. I'm not splitting hairs there. Yeah, I love um, that. He, uh, he, so Pruitt is getting a criticism now um, because uh, Scott Pruitt, who has been a critic of the very agency he now oversees. They say this as if this is a point. Yeah, when you want to limit the scope, if your criticism of an agency is that it is overreaching and you, you want it to, you want, and the president agrees that they are overreaching in their scope. You bring in someone who thinks they should have a smaller scope. So yes, you would bring in someone who is mm-hmm. critical of the larger scope they used to have. This is not a weird math problem you shouldn't be able to understand. If you think the agency should have less power, you bring in someone who thinks they should have less power. So yes, he's been critical because he thought in the past they had too much power. And even if it wasn't over the exact amount of power, I mean, that was the same argument they used for Tillerson too. He yeah. was critical of the State Department. When he was right, like, in the public's... Yeah, well, okay. Well, yeah, but the way the State Department was operating, 
was right. If if he agreed with the way it was operating, he would run for Barack Obama's EPA. He didn't like the way it was working. Of course you would bring him in if he was disagreeing with what how they used to do things there. That is the most asinine criticism of somebody. It's to say that, well, uh, Rick Perry couldn't even remember the Department of Energy when he, would, when he wanted to eliminate it, and now he, yeah, he wants to shrink the scope. And while, yes, he is saying that they're going to do some things because he's in a new administration, and how you agree with the administration, it's good. You want people to shrink government. If you're conservative, that's the point of it. Uh, you want to make it smaller. <clears throat> if you don't love every government agency there is, you've got no business being any part of it. Mm-hmm. Any part of it. Of course, of course not. Okay. That is the, really the way they treat it. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Gray was a, uh, was a critical of a, of a trade in the NBA, and now he's going to an NBA game. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so? Who cares? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, since his February confirmation, Pruitt has embarked on a record-setting rollback uh, spree, including a f- uh, filing a proposal to undo Obama-era climate regulations. Good. What? Of course he's going to undo the crappy regulations from Barack Obama. Why do you think he got elected? The, 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 <clears throat> the notable thing would be if he did the opposite. He was like, you know what? Obama was doing a great job on the climate. Mm. That would be notable. It's not notable that he disagrees with what Obama did. Um, he legal plans to repeal pollution in the na- nation's waterways, uh, delaying rules requiring fossil fuel companies to rein in leaks of methane and greenhouse gases, and he reversed a ban on the use of pesticide the EPA deemed dangerous to children's health. He wants children to die. You want people this man to die. Wants children to die. He wants to pour pesticides directly in their eyes. Mm-hmm. It's true, and then. Put a pillow over their face and smother them. That was actually in his pesticide in the eyes it, it speech. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Which it was, was a good speech, though. It was very stirring. And it was also the foundation of his book, Pesticide in the Eyes, <laughs> What I Want to Do with the EPA. Which <laughs> it is a weird title. It's a weird title. Uh, and he still got the gig. Um, he says, uh, Richard Lazarus, who is a professor of environmental law at Harvard. It's who, a guy by the who way, he rose from the dead. That's what they named that after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's been around a long time. Yeah, a long time. I was going to say, it seems like he's an activist, but he probably has been around longer. He's been a, yeah. yeah. He's... Uh, he told the Times, um, he, the number of environmental rollbacks in this time frame is astounding. Pruitt has come in with a real mission. He is, and I think this is true. And again, part of the reason I've praised Pruitt, as opposed to some of the other parts of this, Pruitt uh, is on a real mission. He is much more organized, much more focused than other cabinet-level officials who have not really taken charge of their agencies. It's very striking how much they've done. It's true. And these are good changes uh, if you're a conservative, if you believe... He's uh, trying to do 30 uh, regulations. He's trying to roll back 30 of them right now. Uh, It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's exactly what we would want the guy to do because the regulations are insane. Uh, and so, you know, just because th- these media organizations, who was this written by? Uh, CBS, I think. It's yeah. A CBS News article. But because they loved the Obama administration right. and they love they love the global warming regulations. So these are always written with a negative spin. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Speaking of the environment, can you believe people were skiing yesterday in the Fourth of July at Squaw Valley? Really? They had so much snow. Thousands of people wouldn't hit the slopes at Squaw Valley no. on, on you know the 4th of July. 
Pesticides. Global warming. It's global <laughs> really? warming. Pesticides. Mm -hmm. Pesticides and global warming. It's yeah. interesting because weren't we supposed to see the end of snow? Wasn't this the end? We're never going to yes. see yes. People are going to grow Democrats up and never in see the snow. early 2000s. You're going to have to explain to your children what snow was. Am I? Really? Because they um, seem to have a lot of it, mm, wow. uh, which is kind of odd. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty amazing thing. Can we also do the 4th of July? While well, we're on 4th of July here, quickly, because we have something else on pesticides I think you're going to want to see. Oh, good. Uh, but uh, do we have the video of, I mean, this is a great idea, flying a drone into the middle of a fireworks display? Yes, that is a great idea. That, that, that's America right there. That sure is. That is America. Do we have, have, the, footage do we have the footage? Here it is. Outstanding. <laughs> The music really is what makes it for me. Wow. Holy crap, that one almost hit it. How cool is that? Wow. <laughs> it's amazing how close they're coming. And the song, by the way, translated means, wow, those fireworks are close to my drone. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's a great idea. Why the uh, this particular song? <laughs> That's the uh, fireworks drone strange. song. What do you mean? <laughs> the fireworks drone song. This is no. the official fireworks drone. <laughs> that is actually the uh, Spanish version <laughs> of "Proud to Be an American." I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's actually Lee Greenwood <laughs> singing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He just he just translated it into Spanish. It didn't Spanish. sound like Lee. Right? No, huh. yeah. uh, you're just used to him using uh, you know American Weird. words. Yeah. Um, so uh, pesticides, a <laughs> uh, little topic of discussion on the wonderful world of stew this week. But you look into how dangerous they really are and how you're going to die when Scott Pruitt puts pesticides in your eyes. Mm -hmm. Watch. Okay. I have a confession to make. I think Gwyneth Paltrow is a decent actress. In Iron Man, Shallow Hal, The Royal Tenenbaums. Come on, these are good movies. But these days, she seems more occupied with managing her health and lifestyle brand, Goop. It's really the name. Goop is concerned with all things that have to do with wellness, whatever that means. Like this story, for example. What fruits and veggies have the most pesticides? The Dirty Dozen is here. The Dirty Dozen list goes on to describe the foods with the most amounts of evil, no-good, dastardly pesticides. Goop is off to a good start, but I've compiled my own list to give you a more thorough answer to what fruits and veggies have the most pesticides. It's time to get antisocial. According to Goop's list, Apples, delicious apples, are one of the most pesticide-ravaged fruits you can eat. In fact, apples were found to have 47 pesticide residues by the USDA and the Pesticide Action Network, which is apparently a thing. But those are just some of the pesticides. In actuality, apples have even more than that, like caffeic acid, chlorogenic acid, and the even much newer, more dangerous, and downright racist neochlorogenic acid just to name a few. But those aren't synthetic pesticides. No, no, those are natural pesticides. And it's not just apples. Every single fruit and vegetable makes its own natural pesticides. That's right, even if you pay 300% more for those organic apples, you still get the pesticides that come with it. The word pesticide gets a bad rap anyway. It just sounds bad, like homicide or suicide or genocide. But what does pesticide really mean? Pesticide is any chemical, natural or human-made, that is designed to kill another organism, in this case, 
a pest, you know, something that ruins your food. Let's take a moment to remember something quickly. Produce has been around longer than Whole Foods. I know it's hard to believe, but plants have always naturally produced their own antibiotics to kill threatening insects and other organisms without any help from us. If they didn't, they wouldn't be around now. In the last few decades, we've learned to improve upon the process with synthetic chemicals. But let's not forget who started this deadly biological war, plants. The pure, natural, healthy foods you love, like cantaloupe, apricots, and cauliflower, and even kale, actually are the ones to blame for the pesticides now infiltrating your body, those bastards. According to research by Dr. Bruce Ames, professor of biochemistry and molecular biology at the University of California, Berkeley, such a conservative institution, 99.99% of the pesticides consumed in the American diet are chemicals that plants produce to defend themselves. 99.99%. The amount of natural pesticides present in our food absolutely dwarfs the amount of man-made pesticides. Dr. Ames estimated that Americans eat about 1.5 grams of natural pesticides per person per day, which is about 10,000 times more than they eat of synthetic pesticide residues. We eat about 5,000 to 10,000 different natural pesticides every single day. And just because these pesticides are natural doesn't mean they are nice, wholesome pesticides that promote wellness, goop. Natural pesticides are way more harmful than fake pesticides. Many natural pesticides are known to cause cancer in rodent testing. In his study, Dr. Ames suggested that it is probable that almost every fruit and vegetable in the supermarket contains natural plant pesticides that are rodent carcinogens. The levels of these rodent carcinogens are commonly thousands of times higher than the levels of synthetic pesticides. And don't even think about cooking those fruits and vegetables. That just increases the carcinogens. But I wouldn't worry about it too much. Until today, you probably didn't even know that you eat approximately five to 10,000 rat cancer-causing natural pesticides every single day, and you're fine. Besides, trying to rid pesticides from your diet is futile and the definition of unnatural. Uh-oh. And you don't want to be unnatural, do you? No? Do you? Do you? Goop? Do you? The only surefire way to eliminate pesticides from your diet would be to not eat anything at all, ever. I couldn't do it, but judging by your appearance, that's probably what Gwyneth Paltrow actually does. So to review, all plants have natural pesticides on them. All of them. You consume way more natural pesticides than synthetic pesticides, and they are even more harmful than the fake stuff. And if apples are so riddled with nasty pesticides, then why did Gwyneth Paltrow name her daughter Apple? You don't get to give advice about anything when you name your offspring Apple. Unless you're an apple. Patents do. Truly strange service in uh, New York City. Could be interested to see how this works out for him.
it's a uh, if you can't find a public bathroom, uh, you can hail one. It's a toilet van. Nice. And it just comes around and there. It's, it's a little looks a little something like that. Sponsored by Charmin. <clears throat> nice. Almost exactly like that, Pat. That in fact that is it. Little step right up there. van. <laughs> That's the actual. Are they oh. charging people? Or is it free? Oh, I'm sure. It's a on demand. I think it's just a promotion, so I don't think they're trying to make money oh, off of it. Oh, really? It's not um, a business. It's not a thing. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an Uber style bathroom service. Um, they uh, they're doing it for two days. Um, Anthony Anderson of the TV series Blackish, which is apparently an okay thing to air on network television, has been accompanying uh, the van on trips to Columbus Circle, Herald Square, and Bryant Park. Hmm. On Thursday, the van hit Lincoln Center from 9 a.m. to 12 a.m., blah, blah, blah. Requ- uh, request service, you can go to uh, Charmin Van Go and follow the simple instructions to get the van. Uh, you know, look, there are times where uh, a clean bathroom is uh, in demand. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good overall option. Um, that's like the, uh, they had the, in, in Vegas, they had the um, hangover cure service, where they'll come to your hotel room or pick you up in, on the van, um, and they'll give you an IV. With like fluids they have and stuff a lot of services cure. like that in Vegas too. That's I don't think we're talking right up and they on demand. I don't think we're talking about the right same there. thing per se. Quick like a rabbit. Mm. You okay. are a weird, a weird. Man. Imagine the like you know they do these biopics like they did the uh, I, I saw um, Churchill recently, uh, which was okay. You know it was it had it, it was pretty good. It was it was a weird focus because it was focused on fi- like basically five days of Winston Churchill's life where he made terrible decisions the entire time. It's like really? out of all the things to talk about with Winston <laughs> Churchill, you'd think like, hey, yeah. this, you know this Let's part the, where he really screwed everything up. Let's focus the on that. Five suckiest days of your <laughs> yeah, life. It really is kind of that. But can you imagine a, a Jeffy biopic? Imagine the things you would learn. Imagine the the the, the things he's done. Imagine the life experiences. I mean, obviously, we know it's NC-17, XXX. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. we're not going to be able to air most of it here. But uh, it would be really fascinating. You've lived a really incredible life. And, and obviously, it's been one of the longest lives in recorded history. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty, just in that, uh, you know, in and of itself would be interesting. How many different cardboard boxes? How many bridges he's lived under? Uh, how, many, uh, how many diseases he's picked up? How he picked those diseases up in the first place? Yeah. The drug dealing, the, the crime. Can't, I can't be expected to remember where I got all of those. Yeah, that's, you probably can't. I mean, that's probably true. You probably can't. Probably true, Jeff. I'm just saying some well, of them, some of the oh. stories might be interesting. Mm-hmm. The well, they're all interesting if I could just remember where I... Where you got them? They all got a good story behind them. Every single... Uh, every single disease. Okay. Uh, a small <laughs> town in Kentucky has elected a dog mayor mm-hmm. for the fourth time. After pledging to sniff out the community's problems with a little oh, help from oh, her best no, friend, no, wait, she wait won the election no, a few no, months back. No, 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 no. Not sniff out the trouble in the community. No. <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> Who wrote this? I want to know the source of the WDRB. Mm-hmm. You should be ashamed of yourself after Why? pledging to sniff out the community's problems. So stupid. I mean, that dog's uh, going to get right to the bone of things, so I'll tell you that. <laughs> Is that a scene? <laughs> uh, I don't think they even said something that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Any anymore? You want to no, throw no, in no, there? No, now you're done? No. Good, good. Um, I, there was also a guy who married a crocodile this weekend. Do you see that story, Jeffy? I thought that would Ooh. be the Jeffy report for sure. A guy who married a crocodile? Yeah, you want to look that up? guy who married yes, a crocodile? Yes, I do. That's good for him. It seems like it would be fit on one of your sites uh, somewhere. <laughs> it may be up there. I just... 
It's a little busy. You do have some people managing the contest. While he's looking that up, you know what else is kind of interesting right now are the gas prices, which are under two bucks a gallon in most areas of the country, I think, now. Like here, it's $1.89, $1.85. What's the lowest you've seen? I haven't paid anything close to that yet. Really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, all over the place. Well, it's like Jeffy, 189 Jeffy a lives in a town where uh, no one wants to go, obviously, or he yeah, would not live right. there. You know, I mean, <clears throat> mainly it's low because he lives there. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember going to Jeffy's uh, place at one time against my will and uh, <laughs> and noticed the gas prices were really low around Yeah, they're lower out there. They're really low out there. there. I'm surprised they're as low as they are where you are, though, because you live, like, in civilization, right? Yes. You live in a place that has it people. It is civilized. Um, yeah, that has people, like businesses, there. Mm -hmm. uh, roads. <laughs> yes. Um, it's in right. Texas. Jeffy's yes. actually technically in New Mexico, uh, where <laughs> he lives. He's happy to have somebody buy some gas. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're going to charge you one thirty-nine just because it's nice to see you. That's, that's the type of uh, thing that goes. Because I think I've been over two dollars every every time. But really? But we're getting close to two dollars. I also have. I also put the stupid expensive gas in my car. So it, yeah, I, you too. I don't really notice. So it yeah, much. it's uh, like. 2.30 for that. Yeah, it's a good um, But uh, it's called elitism, elitism Jeffy. Good boy, no kidding. <laughs> you know what it means, Jeffy? It means we're better than you. That's what it means. Okay? It I, means could buy, <laughs> I could put that gas in my car. Nothing's stopping me, pal. <laughs> that's right. You're stealing it anyway. Why not steal the best one? <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Uh, it's interesting, though, that during the busiest holiday weekend of the year, normally, for gas prices, I mean, the 4th of July is like when... Things skyrocket usually. In Cleveland, uh, they were paying as low as a dollar sixty-seven a gallon. I didn't think those kinds of prices would ever be back. Did you? I, I mean, especially when it was up to like four dollars a gallon here in Texas. I never thought we'd get back here. It's amazing too how new that is. Because I, I remember mm. uh, driving down a particular hill in Pennsylvania um, towards a gas station I used to stop at all the time, and seeing for the first time in my life. It going over two dollars a gallon, and it, 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 it was approaching three, or maybe even cleared three dollars a gallon. And that was after mm. Katrina. Oh yeah. If I remember right, it was Katrina where that happened, um, and the gas prices just went through the roof for like a few days before that calmed down. And it, I remember being like, three, this is insane!" And then it was back down to like, because remember, in the late '90s, it got down under a dollar. Yeah. Under yeah. a dollar. I know. In the late yeah. '90s. I mean, a dollar sixty-seven. All this time later, going on 20 years later, uh, that is probably as cheap as it's ever been. Yeah, I, yeah, it would be interesting. I would think the late Inflation 90s might adjusted. have a beat a little bit because that was down at oil was at 20 bucks, you know, less than 20 bucks a barrel uh, in the late 90s. I remember when it was. I was trying to remember. We did a, I, I mean, you know, a morning show bit for 970. WFLA, where we sold yes. 97 cents a gallon gas. But that was and when the it big was deal high, was to, right? Yeah, the big deal was when it was... And, but no, that was, I mean, that was... I don't think it was two bucks yet. It was wow. still, yeah, you know, it was between, it's under $2, you know. I know, that's, and that's what everyone used to think. Oh, it's so high. And that would be the story, Pat, every day. Right. We mm -hmm. would do whole weeks of shows talking about mm -hmm. what supply and demand did to gas prices. It was like this huge thing. They're going to oh, open up the reserves. Oh, my God, yes. There is, it was the biggest story in the world now. Nothing. Nothing. Really, I mean, and it's not. You'd think maybe Trump would get hit with it because he's a Republican, but he's not getting hit with it either. It, it was like, as soon as Barack Obama came in, they're like, we're never talking about gas again. Never going to talk about it again, except for the fact that it is now a climate change. Unless issue. it goes to, you know, $4 a gallon or whatever, then you know they'll blame Trump. It'll be Trump's fault if that happens. But it, it, it wasn't Obama's fault when it happened to him. 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stu coming up.
Inflation-adjusted gas prices. Oh, this is a this is a fun sight. Uh, so it was in 2015, 236 was the low. Inflation-adjusted in 1998, 148. Mm. Uh, uh, spoons. Ah, the life that we lead for you. It's incredible. It's hard. It's really incredible. It's hard, but we do it for you. It's sacrifices. We do, we do uh, it for you. We, we, we just don't, we don't want to eat these things. We don't want to try Good them. heavens, no. Because people, oh my know, God, these no. companies, first of all, you know we're anti-corporation. You know we are. We don't like them. Uh, we don't like what they're doing to our communities. All the capitalist pigs. Uh, all the fake pests. You know what they're doing? They're, they're stealing from the rich and, I mean, the yeah. Oh. They're stealing from the poor. You want an example of what capitalism Wait, is? What they're doing is they're taking all the money out of the poor people's pockets mm-hmm. and giving it to the rich people. Look rich at friends. fat Chris Christie on the beach. Yeah, That's look at that. capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Okay? We don't like that. That's capitalism. But because we think you might be, I don't know, won over by some of these marketing slogans because mm. you're weak minded, mm-hmm. unlike us. Uh, we have decided to taste test uh, the, one of the new kinds of We do of it for you. Again, we do it for you. These are Reese's Peanut Butter Cups with white chocolate on them. Now, I don't know oh, if these wow. are actually brand new, but I'm pretty excited about Those it. Is there going to be that big a difference between actual chocolate yeah, and white chocolate? White chocolate isn't actually chocolate, is it? I mean, it doesn't really taste like chocolate. It tastes like some, like white chocolate. Right here, Pat is eating them. Well, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I thought we would wait and talk about it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like I thought we'd... Minutes I'm, to fill yeah. here. Hey, I'm a man of action. Okay. I'm done talking. Uh, uh, Let's taste. Uh, there we go. Mm. Oh. I mean, it's good. It's mm. pretty good. It, it has the normal peanut butter in it. Mm-hmm. And then, instead of milk chocolate, it's white chocolate. <laughs> You are a master on these reviews. <laughs> um, so the, the difference in what chocolate, the chocolate. I'm not sure if you blindfolded me. I don't know if I could tell the difference. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take a little, it's about the same to me. If you take a little yeah. bite off the corner where it's all chocolate, you can definitely, I mean, it's definitely white chocolate. But you're right, like, the chocolate isn't overwhelming in a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. It's all about mm-hmm. the peanut butter to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, this, this delivers the same way. I, I feel like it's almost... Because white chocolate is, in my opinion, less invasive than chocolate, where chocolate will take over a product. You put chocolate on something. But that's not a problem because you want chocolate to right, take over. Right. Most of the time it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, it becomes a chocolate product. This, to me, is really just a peanut butter product. You get a little bit of the smoothness mm-hmm. of a white chocolate in there, but really it doesn't go crazy. I do enjoy it. You came up. You came up with the idea of just eating a little bit of the white chocolate without the peanut butter. Is there another one over there? Because I, I didn't think of that at the time. No, there's there's not for you. Did you eat the entire? <laughs> did did you have this. three of them? You can't. These four? Th- no, I had one of these things. That's a bite. Oh, you just had one each. She she yeah, brought one funny. one package and thought that would feed us all. <laughs> wow, that is terrible. Right? What a terrible terrible move on her part. <laughs> <laughs> one package? Well, that is. I mean, that's a terrible normally, terrible. Normally, normally it's a package apiece. I mean, things are getting tough. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we're out of business last August, so. Total um, fat, <laughs> 25 grams. 25 grams. For three of them. What do we have for Is calories three? on one of those? Um, yeah, the serving size. It's one package, I assume, no? No, I serving size is probably one. No. I bet it's one. I serving it's size? Two. Oh, no, one package. Okay. okay. I was going to say. Uh, 410 calories. 
it's not that bad. 25 grams of fat. That's that's kind of bad. The, you know what? There's almost no substance on <clears throat> earth better than the peanut butter in a Reese's peanut butter cup. I know. And they, it doesn't seem to ever get anywhere else. Like, I, why can't I just buy a, a container of that peanut butter? Reese's peanut butter. It, but it's not it's the not same. It's not the same it's, peanut it's, butter. It's, it's like it's a not. regular peanut butter that's decent. But I mean, it's, it's not, not the mix that, that they butter. put in. Right. Yeah. What I want is that, that be, I, I, they probably have tested it and found that people don't actually want to put that on sandwiches. Like it probably gets overwhelming, I guess. I don't know. I want it. I want it on sandwiches. I think all you have to do is take the Reese's peanut butter from the can and mix about six pounds of sugar in each spoonful. Mm -hmm. That's probably how they get there. Oh, well, we could try. Um, Give it a shot. I yeah. guess we could. See if it I guess works. we could. I gotta say. Uh, so I, I would say, like, if I would put a, a normal Reese's peanut butter cup, uh, given the right circumstances, one that's not too melty, just one that's just perfect, like you know, a little bit not frozen, but like a little refrigerated. A little chill. I, 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 that's like a 17, a 16 or 17 product for me. Like, I really like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. These would be not quite as good. I'd move them it's down. about a 12, maybe? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say a 14. I do like them, and I, I'm a big fan of Reese's. Uh, Jeffy, what's your rating? 1 to 18. Jeffy uh, rates that on that scale because of 18 is the highest number he knows. I'd just like to say that the uh, mayor did marry the crocodile. The mayor? The mayor of the city uh, married the crocodile, and there were some very... Really beautiful wedding photos. Were there? That, Did uh, they kiss? Would you, would you like to see the crocodile? I uh, would. All dressed up, ready to be wed. Oh, here we go. Uh, in Mexico. <laughs> I mean... Is that? Did they ask for permission to do that to the crocodile? Uh, what this is is uh, this is uh, this is a, a good luck thing for the fishermen. I don't it's also rape, is what it is, Jeffy. Uh, it's also rape. Yeah, it's what? also they're married. You're you're <laughs> humiliating this poor animal. I'm sorry, uh, Donald Trump's attorney, <laughs> but you can rape your wife. Number wow. one, <laughs> that's that's not cool. I don't think that's cool. Well, that's good luck for the and prosperity for the local fishermen. That it's is a, not okay to do. To why is that not thing. okay? Is it dead? Did they kill it? No, it's no. not well, dead. Why would they? They had the well, the mouth fastened there. Why would yeah. they? Ah, why yeah. is that bad? I don't like that. That's not nice. That's not right. That's just not it's right. It's practiced by the, by, the, by the Indians in the town since 1789. Oh, it shouldn't be. I, I mean, I'd like them to You stop. can't take that away from Do you remember the first year they did it? <laughs> the first year, they didn't have, first year they didn't have a wedding dress like that. Oh, no? No. No, no okay. Yeah, no, we didn't have a strap to strap that mouth shut either. It was a little short wedding. So a little more, little more dangerous <laughs> back then in the, the day. Back in the, the day. Groom. All short right. wedding. Cool. Well, welcome back to the program. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the uh, number on the wonderful world of Sue. This week, we talked to Tom Nichols, who is the author of a new book. It's called uh, "The Death of Expertise: mm. uh, Campaign Against Established Knowledge and Why It Matters." It's kind of an interesting take, a little bit different than uh, talk radio usually covers. Uh, and we went into that uh, this weekend. Watch. I am what you would call an expert. My expertise, pizza. A true Italian would say uh, a pizza pizza. I've eaten a lot of pizza in my lifetime and feel quite established in the pizza world. But now anyone with an Instagram account or can claim to be a pizza expert, I don't like it. They're not. And here to explain why real experts like me 
are a dying breed and why that has consequences far deeper than the Chicago-style pie I just ate, is the author of The Death of Expertise, the campaign against established knowledge and why it matters, Tom Nichols. Tom, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. I will say you have a very well-timed book. Uh, the last couple of years have made this problem uh, very obvious to most people, or maybe not. Uh, why did you pick this topic to write about? Well, strangely enough, it, it really had nothing to do with anything recent. It didn't have anything to do with the election or any one particular thing that happened in the past year or so. The first time I, I wrote about this uh, was on a blog that I used to have where I had just gotten frustrated with this whole problem in general. I'm a Russia expert primarily by training, and I, I, I guess I'd been having a conversation on social media where uh, for the millionth time somebody had said, you're a Russia guy? Let me tell you about Russia. <laughs> and, uh, right, I mean, you know, you're, you do journalism. So, oh, you're on TV? Let me tell you about TV. And um, I sat down and I just kind of unloaded on my blog about this, and it got picked up by The Federalist, where it was published. And uh, then it was noticed by Oxford University Press. And so it took me about a year, year and a half to write it. Uh, but it was really the culmination of about 20, 25 years of people lecturing at me about my own area of expertise and hearing these stories from other people. So that's that's why I wrote it. I like when professors write books generally because they're just really pissed off about something. So it's a, it's a, it's a good genesis <laughs> of this. I like it. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently and it was the guy who, uh, it was the guy who created Five Hour Energy. And he has this amazing story where he's like a monk at one point and uh, it really had no experience in this business at all and just started doing it. And in the middle of it, uh, he said something and as soon as he said it, I thought of you. Let me play the clip for you. This is what turnaround guys do. It's not rocket science, but if you use common sense, you're in great shape. If you use experts, you're in so much trouble. Yeah. This is the sort of thing we hear from people all the time, and it, it, part of it is really an American thing, where you say, ah, screw the experts, I'm going to go by my gut and just do it. I mean, how do you, how do you balance those two things? Um, people rely on experts all the time. I think part of the problem is We've got we've adopted this radical approach to egalitarianism. Amer you're right. Americans have always been this way, right? I mean, so Tocqueville writes about it uh, that you know we're we're the gutsy, common sense people. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, we rely on each other as experts all the time. You, carpenters, electricians, police officers, doctors, teachers, lawyers are all experts. And what's different now? is everyone thinks that they can do everyone else's job and that they're just as smart as everybody else, which is completely insane and eventually will endanger not only our health, but it endangers the country. And what you bring up essentially is specialization. It's the thing that's really moved our civilization forward. Uh, it, you know, the, the fact that you don't have to know every single thing that you're doing every day and you can trust other people who are experts and have spent their time on that is something that has really moved us forward as a civilization, hasn't it? It's indispensable to being an advanced civilization. And we used to understand that. We didn't always like it. We didn't always like the fact that, you know, we'd have to go even forget about doctors or scientists or teachers. We didn't like the fact that, you know, when you take your car in, the guy pops the hood open and he says, well, there's your problem, you know, because you, you don't, you're not a car mechanic. Mm -hmm. You have to trust him. You have to accept that he, this guy probably knows what he's talking about. Um, what, again, what's changed is with all of these jobs, whether it's doctors or diplomats or mechanics or electricians, we're all looking at each other saying, well, how hard can that be? We could all do that. And the fact of the matter is we can't all do that. And society would come to a dead stop if we tried. 
I think somewhere along the line, we've all become, the word I use in the book is that we've all become narcissistic. We all think we're the smartest kid in class on everything. And, it, and it's just wrong. It's simply not true. Mm. You mentioned one of the most amazing stories of recent history, which is the AIDS denialists. It, I, didn't, I didn't even know this went on at the time, but it's a really fascinating story. And it, it wound up costing a lot of people their lives. It did. And, uh, it, you know, in a way, the AIDS denialist story is rooted in a scientific dispute that actually shows that among experts, the system works. There was and is, he's, he's still around, there's a scientist who is firmly convinced that HIV is not the cause of AIDS. He's a serious guy. He's at a serious university. He made this claim. Doctors all over the world took him seriously and started testing this claim. And they, you know, he's just wrong. I mean, there's just no way around it. He's mm -hmm. simply wrong. Mm -hmm. The problem is that people in other countries, and in the book I mentioned South Africa, took this very seriously, which really undermined uh, a lot of the practices and um, public health uh, actions that could have been taken that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. But because, you know, as you said earlier, people say, well, I'm going to go with my gut. I don't think it's HIV. Well, yeah, you know, the scientists are right. It is. And that that's crucial to stopping uh, or, or slowing this epidemic. And thousands and thousands of people died because of this. I think part of it is, you know, there is a feeling among people who don't follow these things every day that experts are constantly disagreeing with each other. And there's a debate on almost everything. Um, and, you know, and they do get things wrong. As you point out a couple of, uh, of examples in the book, uh, eggs um, and this, the, si the no Irish need apply signs that I, I'd never heard these stories before. Uh, you know, it, is it... How do, you, how do you know, I mean, when an expert is wrong and they're going down the wrong road telling you the wrong thing, how do you deal with that? Well, the first thing you have to do is rely on other experts. As somebody said to me recently, uh, you know, if I don't think my doctor's doing a good job, I don't go and ask a, a bus driver or an electrician or a lawyer. I ask another doctor because in, in every profession, that's how we keep a check on each other. You know, how do you know that a, an electrician is certified and licensed? He was looked at by other electricians. Um, how do you know that a doctor is certified? He was looked at by other doctors. So that's mm -hmm. that's the first step. And you're absolutely right. Experts will get things wrong. Uh, you um, brought up uh, eggs, of course. And the no, I, I should probably tell your um, tell the viewers what the no Irish need apply yeah, thing please, was. Yeah. About. It was a, there was a historian who said that no Irish need apply was a myth. You know, these signs that were supposedly in stores in the early 20th century. He said, well, that never happened. And an eighth grader actually proved him wrong by doing the research. Every now and then there is going to be a lightning strike like with something like that, where some expert stakes his reputation on it and a junior high school kid can prove that he's wrong. But on any given day, experts are more likely to be right, particularly in their area of uh, their field, than, than anybody else. And I think, again, part of that angry narcissism about expertise is that people are always looking for the one time an expert is wrong. You know, my doctor was wrong about eggs. So therefore, he's wrong about everything, and I can just eat cheeseburgers for breakfast. Um, you know, the, a, a professor was wrong about a historical fact, so all professors are wrong. Um, and, and it's just a kind of a silly game of gotcha when, in fact, experts, and also, as you point out, experts actually don't disagree with each other that often or that widely. Part of that is the media. Part of that is, the, is, the, is this gladiatorial putting groups of people on television to fight with each other effect of the media. But experts actually tend to be pretty closely clustered together on a lot of important questions. Well, part of the problem is, and, and I'm guilty of it right here, is that like 
the great story is the middle school person be, you know, defeating the historian. That's an incredible story. Right. And you want to note that. You want to bring that up. The boring story is I went to my doctor. He said I, I, I had uh, you know, strep throat and I had strep throat. That's boring. And, and he cured it. Yeah, and he cured it. <laughs> that's, that's boring. We know what tells that story. They only right. tell the story when they go to the doctor and they have it wrong somehow. And that story lives on forever. That's just uh, it, seemingly human nature and you know, certainly uh, magnified incredibly by the Internet. I, how do you solve that? Well, some of it is human nature, but some of it is this, this new social phenomenon of people almost resentfully and gleefully looking for an opportunity to prove experts wrong because then it's empowering. I think people in the modern era, and by the modern era, I mean post-World War II even, um, people feel like the world is out of their control, it, that, it's, that things are too complicated, that, they're, that there's so much stuff going on they can't keep up with it. And they're right. They can't keep up with it. That's why we divide up all this labor. But when that happens, it feels very empowering to catch experts being wrong because it's almost like self-actualization to say, see, I can do this. I don't need to rely on an expert. And you're right that, that when the eighth grader proves the history professor wrong, it's a dog bites man story. But, but I think what people miss is that it's interesting precisely because it's so rare. It's, mm -hmm. it's like when we see the story about a doctor who, you know, leaves a, uh, leaves a, a um, his suturing equipment inside a patient or, yeah. you know, an engineer who builds a bridge that doesn't match the other side. They're interesting stories precisely because they're so rare. I'm not sure what we do about it. I think most people grudgingly, they don't want to admit it, but they grudgingly accept that, you know, when you're, when you're sick and you have strep throat, you say, you know, I should probably go to the doctor. He'll prescribe an antibiotic. You know, grandma's uh, mustard chicken poultice isn't really going to cure this, um, but they don't like it because it puts you in a position of being dependent on other people. But that's the nature of modern society. We're all dependent on each other.